Well, all right. Welcome back, everybody, to another great episode of American Billiard Radio. Today is August the 14th, 2014, and my name is Mr. Bond, and I'll be your host once again for this evening. But before we get started, you know, there's some congratulations in order for uh, Mr. Darren Appleton. He just uh, took the uh, the world title in 14-1 uh, straight pool this past week at Steinway Billiards. So uh, props to him for that. Uh, geez, with all those titles under his belt, he's about ready to run for president at this point, don't you think? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what else is going on? Uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Miss Kelly Fisher. Uh, she's been having a couple of medical issues lately. The poor girl has a broken heart, so uh, she had to go in for some heart surgery. Uh, from what I understand, they took some duct tape and super glue, and uh, she should be good at this point. So we want to wish her the best in her recovery, and I hope she gets well really soon there. So uh, keep it up, Kelly. You're doing a great job. Um, we also uh, <laughs> got uh, Mike Howardson on the line today. So you're going to get to learn more than you ever wanted to know about... Uh, Mike Howerton and the history of AZ Billiards, the world's largest database and information site on billiards and pool. So uh, it's a fun interview, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Uh, so stick around for that, and uh, we'll be back right after this cool snip. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to AZ Billiards on American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton. I've been away for a little while, but I'm back. I've got a very special guest this week. We're joined by Kelly Fisher. Kelly, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm not too bad, Mike. Thank you very much. I felt better, but I'm not too bad. <laughs> well, I've been watching uh, some of the updates that you've posted on, on Facebook, and it, it seems like you're recovering pretty good. But before we get into the recovery, can you... Can you give people who don't know what what you just went through uh, a brief idea of, of what happened? Well, basically, for many years, um, I've had palpitations. I've had check after check and never really found very much other than, um, you know, they've told me a slightly leak of, leaky valve and a murmur, heart murmur. Um, this time, this year, really, last year, Christmas time, and then the beginning of the year, I really felt a difference. I felt they were more more often and a slightly different feeling, which led me to feel nauseated. Um, that concerned me enough to go to the doctors and really push for them to follow it through. And it turns out that I had basically an atrial septal defect. Which what that means is, is a hole in the heart. I've had it from birth and it was massive, basically, I was told. Um, Obviously, because it's gone undetected, it's just got bigger and bigger. And uh, unfortunately, it was too large to have a device put in. So what they had to do was uh, I had to go through open-heart surgery and basically close up the hole. Um, whilst they were there, they 
also did two other procedures that I we weren't sure they would have to do, but they did. One was um, they repaired my tricuspid valve that had got stretched and was leaking due to the dilation from the whole um, dilation of the right side of my heart. So, And then they also did a maze treatment, which basically is to prevent fibrillation in the future, arrhythmia, things like that. So, um, yeah, I've, I've kind of gone on, undergone, you know, one of the largest operations I think that you can probably have. So, yeah, all come as a shock, to be honest, Mike. Well, it, it seemed on our side, you know, while you're saying that it's something that you've dealt with your whole life, uh, the, the symptoms of it, at least as as media and as a fan, we were blown away. I mean, we were shocked that this whole thing had happened. Um, what um, what was the time frame like from the time they told you you can't have a device installed, you're going to have to have open heart surgery? You know, what was the time frame like between that and actually going under the knife? Pardon the expression. Oh. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Well, to be honest with you, it was a really big shock to me. I um, just want to say that I felt absolutely fine at the Amway Cup. I felt fine. Only thing I noticed, I was getting more palpitations or more feelings, should I say, discomfort whilst during my match than I'd really noticed before. So after the Amway Cup, I come back, and it was mid-March that I went to the doctors, and it was found within two weeks of the first appointment. So we're looking at possibly the very beginning of April it was found. Um, then I had to go for further tests and MRIs and different, many, many different tests um, just so they could see the size, etc., cetera, uh, and what the procedure they would have to take. And basically, the beginning from mid-March, from finding the size being mid-April, early May, and basically operating on June 22nd. That so seems pretty quick. From- yeah, it was very quick. They were absolutely fantastic. I had it done here in Scotland um, at the Golden Jubilee Hospital in Glasgow, and they have been absolutely marvellous. I can't put say a bad word. It's, it was fantastic and thorough and really, really supportive. It's been great. Yeah. Not, well, not having ever had to deal with something like this you know from from someone inexperienced open heart surgery i mean that's that's a big deal i mean that had to be you know you say you were you were shocked i mean that had to be scary as hell yeah oh yeah don't get me wrong um i've actually and i'm touching wood as we speak i've actually never had never been in hospital up till that point i never had even spent a night in hospital I'd never even had a drip put in nothing ever in my life and then to find out I'm gonna be having open heart surgery I was really really scared don't get me wrong and I put on a good face you know and I just put it behind me as much as I could but the closer it come certainly I was (laughs) petrified you know but I felt so good it was like surreal because I just felt normal and I felt like there was nothing wrong yeah, I was going to go and have this procedure next week kind of thing. It's like it was surreal. It was like it wasn't really going to happen. And possibly it hit me just here and there. And then mainly, you know, obviously a day or two before, then it come very real very quickly. Um, but it was a, a very strange feeling, really, because I felt just normal, just fine, you know. 
Well, and you talk about having heart palpitations and that sort of thing. You're playing at the absolute top level of of women's professional pool, and you're doing it with heart palpitations. I mean, did did part of you think, well, this is just part of the game? You know, you, you always have you you know you, your heart always pounds like this when you're when you're playing at that level. I mean, did part of you think, well, you know, this is probably normal? Well, I. You know, I've, I've had it for quite some time. And when it first happened, I couldn't give you an exact date by any means, but let's go back to 2008, something like that, when I first started noticing noticing it. It could have been even a little bit before, a little bit after that. But um, I thought at first it could have been nerves. But then, you know, I knew it wasn't because I'd been here before, if you like, whether it be with snooker prior to that or whether it be um, up at that point, you know, in America, play at WPBA events. I thought, well, there's no reason I should be getting nervous now because I've not felt this before. So, like I said, I went to the doctors, nothing was wrong, so I thought, okay. And then it, it become like a little bit more often. And it's not just when I was playing. I mean, I could be watching TV. I could, it was, so I, know, I knew that there was something going on, but it didn't happen very often. So I kind of, like I say, I'd had the checks and thought, oh, well, it kind of brushed it off, really, and maybe I shouldn't have, but I did, because uh, it just didn't happen that often. But leading up to the recent years, it's certainly been happening a little bit more. And um, obviously, the little bit more pressure you get, it kind of get under. It kind of happened even even a bit more then, you know, because your blood's pumping more around your body, and unbeknown to me, the hole in the heart, it's gushing through more and more to where it shouldn't be. So the feeling was happening more and more often and uh, I just dealt with it and thought I've got to go and see about this and that's like I said the more and more it led up that's when I just knew there was something not right mainly at the Amway Cup but it had been going on for probably about a year up to that point. So you said the procedure was in June? Yeah, yeah three weeks ago just over I, I had the surgery the operation was uh, Tuesday gone three weeks Tuesday gone for three weeks and two days. Okay, and so far the recovery has been uh, as expected? Yeah, I mean, for my, I'm young. Normally people with open-heart surgery are normally old, <laughs> and uh, or babies with holes all in the heart. It's normally babies, but um, I'm a young, you know, and I was healthy and fit, so they were very happy, as, and they were giving me a prediction of a great recovery. And to be honest with you, yeah, I've been. It's been fantastic as far as what you can imagine to happen, or what you're going to feel like, and that scary feeling. You know, it's certainly been. Um, they're very happy with me. Definitely, I was up um, and walking around day two. Very. Don't get me wrong. The pain was horrendous. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm certainly motivated um, to get on my feet as quickly as possible and, and get moving forward as quickly as possible but I've had a couple of setbacks and um, just recently really uh, with my wound and low blood pressure um, that's two things that this last week I've, I've really put me back a couple of weeks because um, I've got a sinus in my wound and I'm having to have it dressed and packed different stuff it's just holding me back a little bit but uh, low blood pressure which I've never experienced any problems with my blood pressure and it's probably just from the surgery because it's such a big surgery, 
And um, the main thing for me now is starting physio because obviously they've broke my sternum. So I can't stretch. I can't. I've lost a lot of upper body strength. They've cut through muscle. So I'm really, you know, I'm, I can't do much right now. I can't lift or do anything um, as such. And I'm just anxious and, and wanting to start to where I can at least somewhat be able to stretch to get my upper body strength to get on a pool table. But they've told me I've really just got to be patient and gradually get there, you know. And and what have they told you about the recovery and, and how long they think it'll take? Well, they give an average of three to four months recovery. Um, three months being the average, really. Um, so they tell you to take off work three to four months. But I've been speaking directly um, to my consultant and also to my surgeon. And they are aware of the World Championships that's in October and... We're hoping that basically with all the physio and, you know, my my age and everything that I can at least, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to be practicing for some time yet and it's not going to be the best preparation I've ever had, but I'll be able to go, you know, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, as long as I have no setbacks and things go smoothly, I'll be able to attend and play in the event. God knows how I'll do or anything like that. I'm not expecting nothing, but, you know, I just certainly would. That's my goal, put it that way. That's my goal, is to be able to get there and play in the event. And also the Tournament of Champions now, I'm aware that that's in early October also. So them two are my goals to, uh, that I'm looking forward and focusing on. And then I had heard that there might be a WPBA event in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember uh, which of the two. Have you heard anything about that? I've not, Mike. Um, I heard, the only thing I heard was earlier in the year sometime of a possible event, but not nothing was said where or exactly when. So I've not heard of that, but I really hope, you know, I hope that that's, that's good news, the WPBA. You know, um, I hope that's one of many to come. <laughs> and uh, I hope it's sometime after October. <laughs> there you for my, go. For my reasons, anyway, because then I can definitely attend. Um, as opposed to before then, because unfortunately, um, October being the soonest, I'll hopefully be able to be ready for. But like I say, um, yeah, I hope it isn't. I hope that's true, and uh, I look forward to in that being one of many. Hopefully. Well, um, I had, I did hear that the there was some turnover on the board, and there are some people back on the board now that I think are are great strides forward. To have them back on the board, uh, Anne Craig being one of them, I, I hear she's back involved, and yeah. you know, I think when the WPBA was was doing much better, it was because there were people on the board like Anne who, I mean, they were they were there for the right reason, and I'm certainly not comparing her with anyone. I'm just saying that you know, Anne gave 120 percent to the tour because she really loved the tour and I mean I think I think the tour needs people like that on the board in order to to pick itself up and get back to where it it was that's right I mean I was absolutely thrilled to hear that Anne Craig was back on the board and um, you know really really think that again she put like you said she put 120% into it and I know 
she wouldn't have took it back on unless she were going to do the same again. Um, so I'm thrilled, along with the other um, people on the board, you know, and Anne being that rock that she was before, you know, I really feel a lot more confident that we can achieve, you know, some positive um, positives for the future, some more events, and I think it can certainly certainly help going forward and move, you know, getting better and uh, picking it back up, hopefully. And uh, if anybody, I will certainly be able to do that, for sure, along with the others, of course. Well, and when you talk about about Anne being a rock, it has to be, it has to feel good for you to see the outpouring of support that you've had from friends and, and family uh, within the industry and outside the industry, you know, helping to be there for you while you're going through this. It's been amazing, Mike. Um, it's hard to be able to thank everybody enough. But it's just so surprising. I mean, Facebook, it's um, what a great tool to let everybody know, especially now I'm living back in the UK and, you know, and um, there's not as many events in the US and all the players um, from all around the world. I mean, going all the way to China, Taiwan, Philippines and everywhere. It's just been phenomenal within the industry how supportive everybody has been, how wishing me good luck and how shocked everybody was. And, you know, all they could do was just send their love and, prayers and um, now through it all they're saying is you know to, to wish me a quick recovery and they've been absolutely fantastic and you know if ever you, I'm feeling a bit frustrated because I can't do what I could do before and you know I'm having to sit around which is not my uh, not a strong point for me I, I like to be on the move I'm always busy and this sitting around drives me crazy all I do is look up on my Facebook and it makes me smile I'll look at my messages private messages it's been fantastic, and it just makes you feel, you know, that it's all worthwhile. It makes me sit back down and make sure that I can do everything right to be back on the table as quick as possible, and hopefully uh, stronger than before, you know. On on one hand, and where I'm leading with the question is how something like this can can bring it back to you, you know, how important what we have is on on one hand we are talking about a game you know we're talking about you know billiards being a game but on the other hand this is what you do for a living i mean news like this and going through this recovery and not being able to play and 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 everything that you're dealing with now uh, i mean it really has to bring it home to you you know how fortunate you are. I mean, especially you say you've never been to the hospital or, or, I mean, what's that like? Well, I mean, of course, it it certainly brings a lot of things um, home to you, you know. I mean, just family, friends, um, just how much people, you know, and, and fans even, just how much people really are there that, you know, but, you know, even your family more than anything and um, friends, but it's been, you know, it's been an experience that you can't, I wouldn't want to go through again by <laughs> any means, but it certainly does, you know, open open your eyes to a lot of things. I mean, um, I'm so thankful that I've come through it, and, you know, I do believe in time that I can uh, come back, and I'm hoping to be even stronger. We don't know, but that's the, that's the plan. Um, I'm very thankful that, 
you know, I'm I'm healthy. I've got through it, and and I know that that's that I can certainly strive um, to get back to where I was. So that's a realistic goal, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm also very thankful, like I said, for my family and friends and fans. Um, but just doing what we do, you know, I'd never been in hospital before, and to, to go through the big one, it was scary. Um, and I think whatever you do, whether it's a sport or whether it's, you know, a regular nine-to-five job, it, I think it does bring home a lot of things that you didn't really think about before, you took for granted before, you know. And uh, I've met many a time thought, oh, Paul, I'm flying again to China, I'm flying again to America, or whatever, you know, and you kind of get sometimes fed up with what you're doing, don't we all? But when it's taken away from you or when something possibly can prevent that, you realize what passion you've got for it. You realize um, it brings back that determination when you can't do what you want or have what you want, you know. And but it's very, very surreal. Like I said, it's it's a surreal feel, but it does make you appreciate feeling well. Make you appreciate being able to do what you not when you're feeling well, what you can do because you realize what you what you can't do when you're not feeling good, and also what you've got, whether it be your work or or your fa- and your family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I've certainly uh, missed pool more than I've realised ever so far. Put it that way. <laughs> Did you? I mean, certainly it must have been just eating you up inside, not being able to represent uh, Europe in the the World Team Championship. Did you? Were you able to watch any of that, or, or were you just? Did you not want to watch, or, or how, what was that like? No, I mean, you know, I given the um, when I got the date for the well, when it was talked about for the surgery, um, they give me an option. They give me a couple of options. Did the hospital? They were fantastic because they knew I had competitions coming up, and I chose the very first date, which was June twenty second, and I knew I was going to miss the, um, the World Team Championships because if I didn't choose that date, it was going into August September, and. Number one, I just wanted it over and done with. Knowing that was there was horrible. Every flutter, every out of breath, you were panicking, your heart were going into, you know, I couldn't cope with just that weight any longer. Number two, I also wanted to be ready or try to be ready for the World Championships, which was in October. And obviously, that being the Women's World Championships, um, just being, you know, that one notch, if you like, above the teams from obviously an individual, you know. So I knew when I when I chose that date that um, I knew I was going to miss the World Team Championships. Yes, I was sick, and when it was going on, you know, I was laid in bed <laughs> in pain and feeling sorry for myself probably. But um, no, I was fully supporting Alison and the guys, and uh, keeping. I was definitely checking up on them. Um, I had trouble actually. I tried to watch, um, but I had trouble. I think I was. Still in hospital, and I had trouble getting getting on um, online to see it. So, uh, but I was supporting. I was messaging, private messaging with Alison. She was letting me know how things were going and stuff, and also asking how I was doing. All the guys sent the love. So, you know, no, not at all. I really wish them all the best. I wish they'd have won it, and <laughs> um, I really do. But it was. Um, I was very supportive. Of course, I wish I could have been there, but I knew I was doing the right thing by being where I were. Put it that way. Right. 
Well, Kelly, um, I think I speak for all of your fans when when I say that um, we hope your recovery is as smooth as can be and that you're back as close to 100% as possible by the championships in October. Um, I hope so. Thank you, yeah. And then you said you've gotten an invite to the Ladies Tournament of Champions, or it's not called the Ladies Tournament, it's the Tournament of Champions. That's right, yeah, the Champion of Champions or Tournament of Champions, yeah. That's early October, so um, that's my goal. And uh, even if I'm not 100%, I'll certainly give it 100%. But um, I, hope, you know, I hope that that's a, a realistic goal. I feel I can do it. So that's, that's uh, you know, one thing that I'm focusing on and it's given me that determination so hopefully no more setbacks we'll get there <laughs> but no i'd like to thank all my fans for being supportive and uh, really you know wishing me all the best hopefully i can do it for them too well we like i say we wish you a a speedy and a smooth recovery and hopefully we will be talking to you after the championships uh after another uh, another Kelly Fisher result like we expect. <laughs> I hope so, Mike. Thank you. Yes, I hope so, too. All right. Thanks, Kelly. We will talk to you down the road. Great. Thank you very much, Mike. Much appreciated. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That's, that's it for us on American Billiard Radio this week. Uh, we will be back next week. I'm not sure who we'll be talking to, but we'll be talking to somebody. I'm Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. Welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. What do we got this week, Scott? Well, this week we're going to discuss uh, multi-sensual learning. Uh, how we use different senses to retain more information. And we know that this, uh, this comes from some uh, learning studies that come right from the National Training Laboratories out of Bethel, Maine. And so basically, it talks about how we learn and how we retain information. And, and I think they're talking about the average human being, are they not? The average right. human being, right. yes. Of course, we're talking about how it applies to your pool game. Right. For example, uh, people will only retain 10% of what they read. So, so a book, you retain about 10% of the information? About 10%. That's, that's what I believe, too. How about if you're getting a lecture? Well, uh, audio might only be 20% or less. Absolutely. For me, it's much less because I'm a very poor auditory learner. If somebody is uh, watching a video or maybe even watching a live demonstration, uh, but there, there is no interaction, they're going to see and retain 30%. Yeah, maybe even more once again for some, mo most human beings are, are visual learners and kinesthetic learners, right? right? And, and I'm a very visual learner. Once I see it, I, I pretty well got it. Well, and this is why that we introduce uh, what we call uh, using different senses. We say, read, write, think, see, and do. And so, repeat. Yeah, and repeat. So if I, if I can hear and see together, I might retain as much as 50% of something I'm trying to learn. The, the amazing part is you can retain 90% of the information if you write it down and put it into what we call our mantra or our process. Absolutely. And, and make it into a routine. 
that it immediately retain 90% of information. And uh, that's pretty strong. That is. And so now we know how people remember, but how do people forget? Yeah. Well, the studies show that if you don't have any way to review something that you learned today, how much will you forget by tomorrow? Oh, half of it. Half of it. If, not, if not more, Ooh. because other things take priority. So anytime you go to a lecture, a seminar, a pool school, a golf school, there are, there are homework included. Absolutely, and note-taking. Now, how about a couple of weeks later after you learn something new? Yeah, it's pretty, you're all gone. 80%. 80%, that's amazing. If you don't do any review, any homework, any physical or visual reading, you 80%? 80%. Wow. This is why it's so vital and what all good instructors do is they have leave behinds. Uh, in my teaching, I leave behind a, a video, audio video disc of what they learned and what I have taught them in print. Well, don't we even have <coughs> a, a, a mother drill disc? We do. All right. So what happens after a month, Scott? Oh, 95%. It's gone if you don't have a way to review. So if you're going to an instructor who is not giving you anything to take home with you, find somebody else. Yeah, you have to have homework. And we're human beings. I forget what I did this morning. Sure. So, <laughs> read it, write it, do it, and then repeat it. Say, read, write, think, see, do. There we go. Well, and then that's from, uh, you can look this up, that's from the National Landing Learning. Nas National Training Laboratories in Bethel, Maine. Okay. All right. Pretty neat stuff. So this is Scott Lee. Randy G. And thanks for joining us for the One Minute Pool Instructor. Next week's topic, we're going to discuss hangers. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. I'm your host, Mark Cantrell. And I've been thinking about pool in general and the whole pool community. We've got a pretty good pool community. And where do most of us get our information from? It's from azbillions.com. And azbillions is the premier, number one, largest pool and billions website in the world, and it was created by a gentleman named Mike Halliton, and I decided I'd try and find a little bit of the history of how everything started with AZ Billions and where it's going, where we're at now, and some of his thoughts. So I've got my old friend, Mike Halliton. How are you, sir? I'm good, Mark. How are you doing? Doing good, thank you. Now, we, we met... I remember the first time we met, and you probably don't because it was uh, probably pretty insignificant for you. Um, do you remember? God, I want to say it had something to do with that Crosby-Rodney challenge match. Nope. Now, that no. was the first event that I ever did, was that one. But no, we met at 
hot um, Main Street Billiards uh, tournament. I'm sure you won if it was a tournament. No, come on now. No, <laughs> I, I so I had co- I caused a little bit of trouble. I hadn't played in years, and decided you know what I love playing. I'm going to go play. There's a tournament at hard times. So I'm going to go, and then they told me I had to have an Arizona rating. I said, well, how do I get that? So, well, this guy over here, you just play a couple of racks with him, and he'll evaluate you and give you a, a, a you know, a, a rating. So, remember, I hadn't played in years, so I was a little bit sketchy. And You've always been a little sketchy. <laughs> oh, this is how this is going to go. I see. Okay. <laughs> well, he put me, I think he put me at a seven, and... Anyway, I ended up in the semi-final, and they changed me in the middle of it to an eight. Yeah, that sounds like uh, Arizona ratings. <laughs> and so now there were some people who had beaten who were pissed off uh, at the fact, and I said, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't try and, you know, do anything shady and, like, hide my talent. I just got better through playing these matches and got warmed up a little bit. So, anyway, that was it, and, uh, you know, I met Holly Ryan there at that time as well. It was uh, back, so how, that's what, 10 years ago, you think? Oh, yeah, God, at least. <laughs> so, there we go, there's, there's some, the start of the history that, of uh, our friendship. Um, at what point did you begin, what, 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 did, what did you do before AZ Billions? Let me ask you that. I worked for a company that built websites for book publishers. So I had the resources and the knowledge to put AZ Billiards together. And what I always thought was common knowledge, but more and more people tell me is not, was that, yes, it was originally Arizona Pool. I mean, my original idea was to, you know, at the time, we had two newspapers here in Arizona that covered the local pool scene, and my original intention was just to do an online magazine, basically, an, an AZ Billiards, but it would only be for Arizona pool, and that didn't last very long. <laughs> What, what happened, when did the change happen then? Because I understand, and, and I've, I think I've always understood it started as asthma billiards. And now it's kind of H to Z billiards is what, uh, do you call it that, or is that what everybody seems to have adopted? I, I just call it AZB, but yes, it was originally Arizona. Um, what, what really was the catalyst for things to to move forward from there was the Camel Tour, believe it or not. Um, They were so good about getting information out to the media. And, you know, at the moment I can't think of the name of the woman that used to handle PR for them, but... I contacted them and I said, you know, I run this website, it's for Arizona Pool, and we had two or three players, uh, Jim Airbar, uh, Tommy DiLorenzo, who were local players who played on the Camel Tour. So they would get me 
press photos, write-ups, uh, bracket information. That was the first time we ran brackets. So we started running brackets for the Camel Tour, and the 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 hook to it was, you know, come to AZ Billiards and follow our local Arizona players on the Camel Tour. But it was the only place to go to get brackets and coverage like that at the Camel Tour at the time, so everybody came there. And the wow. traffic just went through the roof. And I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm loving seeing all this traffic. And then, of course, Campbell pulled the plug on the tour. Wow. So then it was, all right, you know, what do you do? Do we, well, and I say we, but, you know, do I just say, well, that was fun. Um, let's go back to Arizona Pool. Or... Do I try to cover everything going on in the U.S.? You know, at, at the time, it was probably a stupid idea thinking, let's cover everything going on in the U.S., but I did, and, you know, I, I probably spent two or three years right after that calling every regional tour every weekend, and, and it was it went through a phase where I would have to call the room, you know, let's say it's a Joss Tour event. I call the room, it's Country Club USA, and I say, hi, my name is Mike Howerton, I run a website in Arizona for pool, could I speak to the tournament director? Well, imagine doing that with every regional tour, every weekend. Eventually, it got to the point where I would call and I would at least know the tournament director's name and I would ask for them. And as they're coming to the phone, I would hear them say, is that AZ Billiards? I thought, you know, now I'm getting somewhere. Right. Well, so, that's a huge undertaking, Mike. That's it was. And, and at that time, I'm, I'm guessing, for very little or zero paycheck out of it. You know, again, I, I had the resources, so I didn't have to pay for hosting or anything. I... I coded websites for a living, so I didn't have to pay anybody to do that. All I basically had to do was work at it. I mean, I didn't have to pay out money. I just had to work and not get paid. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, Mark, I didn't even think about there was no thought of I'll do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll be able to make money on this. In the beginning, that was never the intention. The intention has always been build a website that you would want to visit if you didn't run it. Because, I mean, let's face it, I love pool. I, you know, I'm sure that you are the same way in that you, you pull up to a pool hall and as you're getting out of your car, you hear somebody break the balls and your eyes just light up. I mean, I, I love the game, and don't get me wrong, 15 years of running AZ Billiards, there are, are times where I think I don't ever want to deal with this game again, but for the majority, you know, for the most part, I still, I love the game itself. Right. And so, I think that's what you've got to have when you've got, you know, he's such a big, it's a, they call it a niche sport or a niche game, oh, yeah. or, and but there's so many people all over the world, thousands, millions of people who play the game. You know, it's um, 
it's hard to comprehend really that we're just such a niche kind of community. Yeah, but you know, you know, I, I think the cliche goes that it's it's a beautiful game played by ugly people or something like that. I'm sure I didn't quote it exactly right, but <laughs> but you know, the beginning of that quote is is absolutely 100% correct. It is a, a beautiful game. I mean, when you watch when you watch Shane, you know, run out a rack or or you know, when you watch Rodney or or Earl or CJ, you know, the way they play that fast and loose, I don't have to think about what I'm doing. I can just run out from anywhere game. And and you know, you watch a guy hit a ball with with a high right and go three rails to break out that little cluster down there that he's going to need to deal with in four balls. It is such a beautiful game to watch. And I mean, you're you're an eight, so you're you're a little bit better than I am at a pool table. But you know, we're never going to do that. But you know, just no. to watch that is is so amazing. And and I really do love that. I always have. I mean, I I was following the game long before I put up AZ Billiards. I mean, the idea to, to run AZ Billiards was because I loved the game. You know, I well, read that's all the why, magazines. That's why, I guess that's where I was going with it, is you, the, the reason that we do anything that we do for pool, that, you know, whether it's putting on a tournament or an event or building a website or doing reports, is because we love the game. Uh it, what I think, and I'm, I'm deviating from where I was kind of going here, but part of the problem, I think, with the general public, why it doesn't catch on as much, if it's, you know, not trick shot magic, you know, people go, oh, you know, that's cool. Chick fil jumped over a ball and made 10 other balls, you know, whatever they do. I don't think unless you play the game to a certain level or you've got a love for it, you can appreciate it on TV. Because it looks like they're just making a ball, and every time they've just got another straightened shot. And you know that's a uh, everybody says the same thing. I'll, I'll tell you something. Um, Nick Varner told me this. He was in a, on a televised event. It was a televised tournament, and he said, "I played this shot. I had to use top left running draw English to make the shot." And I, I made the ball, which was a miracle in itself because of the squirt I was going to get. But then I came all the way around four rails and got perfect on the next ball. He said, I couldn't wait to get home and see that shot when he came on TV. And when he watched it, he said, when I watched it, it looked like a freaking hanger. It looked like nothing. It looked like he didn't have to do nothing. It was one of the hardest shots I've ever played in my life. So I think that's part of the um, reason that sometimes, you know, we don't get the same TV excitement as some other sports do. But, you know, even even at our level of play, and when I say our, I mean you and I, and, and you know, for people who aren't in Arizona, based on the Arizona ratings list, you know, Mark and I are probably average players. You know, you take the the you know, 5 million people who play the game, and we're probably 2.5 million right there in the middle. But, you know, 
we've had the opportunity to watch these guys play, and we've had the opportunity to watch these amazing shots that they put together. And every once in a while, we're going to have a shot, and we're going to think, you know, for example, last night I'm warming up before league, and I, I hit a ball with high right. I come around three rails. I'm perfect on the eight ball. And you, you just stand up a little taller. And you, <laughs> you just know that people looked at you and said, man, look at the way he made that cue ball dance. Yeah, well, you know, it was one out of 20 shots that I hit good. Right. But, man, I felt like Earl there for that one shot. <laughs> no. I, uh, I, I got, we're going to get, I'm trying to, I'm tr- honestly, I am trying to go somewhere with this interview, but we, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> but I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's like, I think it's a little bit like the golfers. They play every weekend or once a week. And they're crap. They're absolute crap. But every now and then, they just hit that ball so sweet that makes them come back again. You know, out of the 100 shots they already played, they hit that one shot that makes them go, wow, I can do it. And uh, this was, i try and make this brief. I was at Johnny's house with Earl. We were doing some things out on the road. And... I said, hey, do you want to go downstairs? Johnny's got a pool room down in his basement. I said, do you want to go downstairs and hit some balls? This this was like the pool groupie coming out in me that, hey, I'm going to play with Johnny and Earl. You know, I'm never really like that. So, you know, hey, who wouldn't want to play with Johnny and Earl? So they said, now we'll come down and watch. So I scattered the balls around, and I played this shot that they – it was – a 1% for my, t- for my skill level. I played it, and Johnny and Earl were both at these little stores. Wow, that was a fantastic shot. I just have two world champion all of it say I just played a fantastic shot. Yeah, you can't ask for much more than that. It, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I didn't stop playing all week. <laughs> Based on that, and I missed the 100 ball, so... <laughs> but let, I'm sorry. Let me go. Let me go back to the AZ Billiards story. Um, so you decided to carry on after the Camel Torah shut shop, uh, shut up shop, I guess. And you'd you were still calling the regional people and everything else. At this point, all we're doing is informational. An informational website. We don't have a forum yet. Is that correct? Or you did have a forum? You know, we the the, the site ran for a couple of years without a forum, and you know, at, at the time, as much as I love pool, I also love computers and technology. And AZ Billiards was a nice place that I could play around with that sort of thing. You know, I love statistics, so. One of the magazines is running every month a list of prize money that the top pros have won across all the major events. And I thought, well, I've got prize money from all the regional tours because they give it to me when I get the information from them for the article. So I can put together a database. That's easy. So that's where the player profiles came from. And, you know, I've played around with other things, you know, coded up. I, at one time, I had a, a database of all the matchups that took place on the Camel Tour where I could tell you 
Johnny's playing Dennis Hatch, and they've played three times this year on the Camel Tour, and here's the score for each one of those matches, and that never went anywhere. Um, but yeah, you know, eventually I just thought, you know, these forums seem to be uh, a good thing, and and who knows what'll happen? Maybe people will actually use them. You know, at the time, uh, Billiards Digest was the top site out there, and I. I never in the beginning even thought that AZ Billiards would ever equal the kind of traffic and the kind of activity that I saw in Billiards Digest. And it was never an intention for that to happen. I just continued putting so much effort into the website, not really with any idea where it was going to go, and then when the when I, the forums came on there and everyone started using them, you know they left uh, they left the news groups because Rec Sport Billiard, the the news group at the time, is where everybody seemed to be. And for some reason, they came to AZ Billiards, and the forums just went crazy. Isn't it amazing sometimes how things just work out when you're just trying to do it? You know, I think it might be karma or something like that. You know, you just all you're trying to do is do something good and provide a service and not looking for the money. And then things... I'm not, I'm not saying that you're making millions of dollars on it. <laughs> easy billions. That's not what I'm trying to say. But, you know, it, the way it's grown and everything else, you know, there's... By accident... Like just trying to do something good. Yeah, I I tell people that you know it was fifty percent hard work. Keeping in mind that it was hard work with no real goal in mind, other than just cover the billiards world as best you can and keep at it, and and fifty percent just timing and blind luck. Do you let me ask you this? This is a little. Maybe a stupid question. Other than yourself or direct relative, do you remember who the first person who was to sign up for AZ Billiards Forums? Oh, no idea. Um, you don't? I know. I know Keith was was way up there. McCready? Uh Yeah, and I think it might have actually been Jenny that signed up for it. But I mean, I could go back and look and see who user number two was. I. I, I honestly couldn't tell you. That'd be interesting. I, I, maybe it's me just being stupid, but I don't know. I think that might be interesting to know, considering how many, how many members are there now. There's probably there's probably twelve to fifteen thousand active. You know, logging in at least once a month. Um, you know, the, the forums are the majority of the traffic to the site. Don't get me wrong, the main site itself does get a lot of traffic, but the forums, you know, are really where the traffic is. You know, we'll, we get anywhere from 160 to 180,000 page views a day, and that's when there isn't anything big going on. Wow. When the U.S. Open's going on, I mean, that's crashed the server numerous times in the past. We've we've broke a million page views during the US Open on a day. Wow. Well, it's the brackets. You know, everybody loves to see the brackets. And you know, I the US Open brackets was kind of another one of those crazy ideas. You know, do you really think we could do brackets for that big a tournament? 
well, sure, I can't think of why not. Well, you know, now with actually hindsight, I can think of a number of reasons why it might not have been a good idea. <laughs> you know, and, and the real-time scoring was the same thing. Can we sit up in the stands and watch all the matches yeah. and, and update the score every time it changes? And That's amazing. Just so you know... I, I I don't have the temperament, the patience, or the maybe the <laughs> focus. Maybe I've got ADD or something, but I don't have the the focus. And I I thought that myself because I've gone to those you know when the, the tables are up there and he tells you the name and the scores and and, and I go, man, like, who the hell is doing this? There's like yeah, eighteen tables going. I know there's better ways to do it, but it's usually Jerry and I sitting up in the stands with a laptop or an iPad and binoculars. And the U.S. Open last year was a nightmare. Thank God Barry's not doing that separate rooms again this year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you heard last week. I had him on last week. I have not listened to it yet. Yeah, I know. I know you just listen to your own show, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, it, so the forums did take off, and at what point did Jerry get involved? Jerry Forsyth. That is. The first, yeah, Jerry Forsyth. The first tournament that I actually went to and covered as AZ Billiards was at the Camel Tour stop in Vegas. Earl ended up winning it. So I go to this tournament, and I had, you know, Vegas is six hours from here. It's it's four and a half hours now that they've got the bridge over the dam, but you know back then it was six hours. So we drive to Vegas, and they hand me this little place card thing that's got the Camel logo on it, and it says "Reserved AZ Billiards." And I thought that was just the coolest thing on earth. You know, look at me, I'm I'm here to cover this tournament. So I set up my laptop, and I hear this voice behind me, and he says, uh, "Who are you writing for?" And I said, well, I, I run this website. It's AZ Billiards. And I turn around. And he says, oh. He says, well, I'm writing for Pool and Billiard Magazine. My name is Jerry Forsythe. And I said, hey, you know, nice to meet you. And what really stood out for me at the time was Jerry didn't look at me like, oh, you run a website. Because, you know, back then the magazines were – some of them felt threatened by the internet, which again, in hindsight, was probably a good idea. But you know, he he never treated me like I was just there to cover it for a website. He treated me like an equal member of the media, and that really stood out to me. So matches hadn't even started yet, and and I'm just getting set up and. Uh, pool player walks by and Jerry speaks up and he says, that man's done more for this game than any other player in this tournament. And I said, uh, who? And he's Steve Mizrak. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, you've met Miz, haven't you? And I said, uh, no, no, I've never met him. He says, well, come on. And he walks me down there and he says, hey, Steve, I want you to meet this guy. He runs his website, uh, Mike Howerton, Steve Mizrak. And I remember it crystal clear I'm shaking Mrs. hand with one hand, and my other hand is behind my back just shaking like a leaf. I mean, I was trembling because, I mean, I had, I had grown up following Miz, you know, watching him on TV and reading the magazines and, and 
you know, th- this was this was Steve Miserac in front of me. I mean, this this wasn't you know some league player that I played against on you know weekly. I mean, this was the top of the, the food ladder at the time. And you know, from that time, Jerry and I had stayed in touch, and we had always tried to find a way to work together. And probably eight, seven, eight, nine years ago, uh, we finally talked on the phone and said, hey, you know, what? here's an idea. Why don't we try to work together like this? And, I mean, at the time, I, I would have agreed to just about anything. I, I mean, I thought, I thought Jerry was, was one of the top people in the industry as far as I was concerned. Um, you know, he's... He's honest that the day is long, and although a number of people might want to question this statement, he honestly does what he thinks is best for the game. He doesn't do what he thinks is best for himself. He does what he thinks is best for the game. And what he thinks is best for the game may not go along with what some people in the game want, but that's what he does. You know, he, he, like you and I, he loves this game. As long as you've been covering the game, and as long as I've been covering the game, I mean, he's been covering it three or four times as long as either one of us have. And there are certainly times when he gets tired of it and, and I get tired of it, and I'm sure there's times that you get tired of it. And... I think we all do. It's uh, it's, it's nature of the beast. I mean, it's a it's a tough it's oh, a tough yeah. game. It's a t- it it's, really it's a tough is. game. And you know, one day you want to you know say you know I don't want anything to do with this game anymore. It's it's, it's no good. And then the next day something will happen. And you go, oh, yeah. all right, that's cool. <laughs> you know, so you know, I'm I'm just trying to. At the moment, I'm kind of going through a, a little uh, period where I'm trying to take myself aside and say, remember why you love this game. Don't fixate on the negatives. Because, I mean, look, there's, there's a lot of negatives in the game right now. I mean, the, the more you find out about this game and the more you get ingrained in the politics, you're going to see all the negatives. But I'm trying to remind myself, above all else, why did you start covering this game? Why did you put up the website? And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not thinking about taking it down or anything. I'm just trying to remind myself, you love the game. There's so much more positive to this game than there is negative. So get your mind back to where it was when you were head over heels in love with this game. You know, you've been married to the game for 15 years and you know, maybe you're getting bored in the marriage, so remind yourself why you fell in love to begin with. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, the thing is, and I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to take it, um, we've we kind of evolved in the the industry in a different way to most other pool fans. And again, fortunately or unfortunately, we get to see a different side of things that we oh, yeah. don't necessarily talk about in in the public arena because it doesn't do the game any good to to talk about some of the things. Right. Some 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 things that we've heard of or seen or done, or whatever it might be. 
But that's I I guarantee you it's the exact same with the guys who were on the inside of the PGA, the NBA, NFL, whichever other sport. I'm not trying to um glamorize I'm not trying to well, I'm not trying to compare pool to any of those other things. What I'm trying to say is I'm sure the guy who runs the PGA sees some stuff that he doesn't necessarily think is good for the sport sure. and, and gets dejected. And the same with the NBA commissioner, et cetera, et cetera, where you can go, man, I thought I didn't, I, I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the way things are going because of this, this, and this. So we know different. It's just that, you know, we have a bigger opportunity to get dejected because we know a little bit more. God, that sounds awful. I don't mean yeah. that we... we get, we've got more of an inside track into things and people tell us more than other people do. The, the average guy playing in league knows. Right. Yeah. And so when, when with that information, I'm sure that the, the president uh, knows a hell of a lot more about some of the crap that's going on, you know, that, than we, anybody does. So... It's always, you know, information is a good thing, but it can also, you know, turn you, make you a little jaded, let's say. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a good, a good uh, analogy. Um, so we've gone to, so so now Jerry's involved. Um, he's, uh, and you guys started, you actually started uh, AZ Billy's radio, I think. Is that what was it called? It was you run, don't out have it. run out, run out radio. Yeah, yeah, we did we did fifty fifty shows, and it was just I think I, you know I think and you know this is dope, I'm not criticizing. I just think you were maybe inconsistent. Oh yeah, yeah, and and we didn't do it on a regular basis. You know, it was when we thought there was news, right? Um, I I I even mentioned on one of my segments a few months ago and I referred to um what I do with with Dave as a or as run out radio light and and Dave kinda jumped on me and said, What are you doing? What run out radio what are you talking about? And I said, I, I it wasn't meant anything negative, but you know, those <laughs> interviews were thirty, forty minutes and, and you know, we try to keep these to like fifteen or twenty minutes, although you're way over time so far here. Um you know, but yeah, it was inconsistent. I, I liked what we did. I thought there was some good stuff there. Um, I plan on doing more. There's just so much time in the day, and I mean, I couldn't just come up with anybody to interview for the last month for 15 or 20 minutes, let alone 30. Yeah, it is, it's, it's tough. You've got to find what the hot topics are. Uh, you got to find something interesting, and people who are relevant in the industry, um, whether it be players or, you know, behind the scenes, the people know who they are, and consistently doing it. If you're doing the whole show yourself, then it makes it a little more difficult, I think, but I think the way American Billy's Radio and, and Dave's Guide, yeah, everybody just does a little piece. I'm, I'm, now, but I'm not saying that's easy, though, still. It's, it's not easy to come up with 
So look, look at this. I'm interviewing you for God's sake. Um, <laughs> You're really I mean, straight at the, the bottom. bottom of the barrel. <laughs> I know. I can't get much further down the road, can I? No, I'm just kidding. I'm. I am absolutely joking. I do not mean that at all. And uh, and I'll tell you what. And I, listen to this. I spoke to a few people. Oh, this is. I don't know for, for whatever reason things come in bursts. You know. I saw to a, a, a few people uh, over the last month, and for whatever reason, your name comes up. And, you know, he's not always polite, but he comes up. And <laughs> they, you, you're probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame. You understand that, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Absolutely. I don't see why. I don't think you're supposed <laughs> No, also, no, let me clarify, just so you're, you're straight on this. It's not for playing ability, for God's sake. It's not as a player. It's like yeah, for service. Or sure. It's for service or something like that. But, uh, yeah, everybody seems to think that you should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, I, I'm sure they want something. I can't think of what. But. I've put you on the spot now, and now you don't know what to do. You see, for, for those of you who are listening... Mike never has anything good to say about himself. He'd rather put himself <laughs> down than put himself up. But you, you, if it happens, Mike, just so you know, I think you deserve it. But then again, you're also on the board, right? Are you yeah, on the, I'm one of the voters. Voters on the committee? Yeah. And I, you know what now I'm thinking is bringing back is like deja vu, or, or is it deja vu? <laughs> Deja vu, that's when you feel like you've heard that bullshit before somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, deja vu, was there a thread about this at one point? Well, I'm sure there was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been talked about on the forums, but I think it's a ludicrous idea. Well, you're going to say that. Why Why is it, Why do you think it's ludicrous? You don't believe, you don't believe that you've brought more information about the pool and billions industry to the forefront than anybody else ever. There are people in the media side of billiards who have done so much more for the game. And all I really did was create a platform to present this information. I mean, you look at at what Tenozo's done, and you look at what Sherry's done, and, I mean, they've really been... I mean, look at what Jerry Forsythe has done. The guy's been covering the game for 40 years. Well, I, I, mean, I would guess if you guys are going together, is what I'd say. If, if I were... If it were to ever happen, then it would, it would have to be alongside Jerry. And, you know... <laughs> and you both... I know you both vote... Yes, yeah. And yeah, so you want voters. How many people vote? Oh God, there's there's 25 people on the on the committee. You probably know them all, though, right? Oh yeah. All right, so you could probably slip them all like 20 bucks. Well, yeah, that would work. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I don't know that Jerry would vote for me, and I don't know if I'd vote for Jerry. <laughs> I, I know, and that's a, that's a, I think you're part of a a catch-22 situation. If somebody brings it up, Mike and Jerry, I think I, I think I actually wrote this on a post. This is why it's coming back to me. If somebody said, uh, meritorious service, 
Jerry and Mike. You guys go, no, 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 no. No, somebody else. Somebody else needs to get somebody. So you're going to put yourself out of it. Now, if they, if they say, no, no, you should be, and now you can't vote at all, right? Oh, I'd be fine with that. I wouldn't want to vote. Look at what Conrad Berkman has done for the game. I mean, my God, the guy covered the game with his newspaper for 30-plus years. I mean... Hey, I'm not saying nobody's deserving of it. Nobody else is deserving of it, Mike. I'm not saying that. There's other people who are well-deserving. Same with the players. You know, yeah. there's plenty of people deserving of it. I'm just saying that maybe... You might be one of them. So I'm going to leave it there. I won't embarrass you anymore. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we, we get, we, we've got to, Jerry's been involved, forums, and recently, well, I say recently, bloody hell, it's, well, maybe a year ago you upgraded to, what's it, what do we call it, G12 or something? What was the, the, the new website style that you went to? Oh, yeah, we refer to it as V4, which is basically V4, the okay. fourth, the fourth incarnation, and <clears throat> you know, we we got involved with uh, JP and Jerome from Paris. JP is like the at the moment. I think he's the best photographer in the billiards game. I mean, the guy does amazing work when it comes to photography, and. We had a we had a meeting. We spent a week with both of them. They flew out from Paris to Georgia, and and Jerry lives in Georgia. He's got a beautiful farm out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so we meet with them and we talk about the things that we could do for the next version of AZ Billiards, and that's what we have now. I'm real happy with what we have. Yeah, I've heard some people say it, it's kind of busy, and and it is, but you know. There's a lot of information that we're trying to put out there. It the problem when you when you run a website like AZ Billiards or like any website that you're going to run for you know a period of time like that is you have ideas and you have things that you want to add to the website, but they weren't really you know the site wasn't built to have those things as a part of the site. So eventually you kind of outgrow the framework that you have because you've bolted so many things on the sides. So you, you kind of have to every once in a while take a step back and, and redo everything so that everything has its place. And that's the idea behind the new version. You know, if you're not familiar, though, with the way you navigate through the site, you can get lost. I mean, it's based on on tours and it's based on individual events and, and everything works that way. Once you're once you're comfortable with that flow of information, the new flow of information through AZ Billiards, you can find just about anything you want. And believe me, there are things that we are still working on that are, you know, coming down the pike that personally I'm very excited about. You know, there's there's things that we've been working on forever that allow us to show some of the history of the game going back further than AZ Billiards. And, and I think that people who use the site are really going to dig that information 
it's just a question of, of getting it online, and I think when we do, people will be excited about it. I'm excited about it. I mean, I, you know, it, after 15 years, sometimes it's tough to get excited about something, and, and I'm excited about some of the stuff that we're going to be doing with the site. I, I think it's, I think it's going to make AZ Billiards more valuable to the community. At least I hope so. Well, you know, I, I was going to ask you about the future of AZ Billiards, but I'm going to step back just a, just a, a minute here. And you spoke about Jerry and his farm out there in Georgia. Yeah. Now, Jerry probably wouldn't tell anybody this kind of thing, but I've heard he does a lot of good things with what he does out there for people. He does. Um, his his better half, and, and I am very honest when I say that, his better half uh, has a farm there and a, and a garden, and they grow herbs and vegetables, and they donate. I, I mean, I've I've heard the number, I've, I've heard the phrase ton brought into the picture of, of how much they have donated to food banks and, and that sort of thing there in Georgia. Um, you know, Fran is Jerry's wife, and the the herbs and the vegetables are kind of her billiards. You know, that's what she has that that means something to her, just like the world of billiards means to Jerry or you or I or, or any of us. Um, but you know, that's important to them, and and I think it's great what they've been able to do. It's it really is. I mean, it's a beautiful place. I try to get out there a couple times a year just to not think about pool and, and relax out in the middle of, of the, the country. Well, I, I, I always use that brought that up is so that people see there is a softer side to Jerry Forsyth uh, that than maybe just hearing him doing commentary at the Moscone Cup or, you know, some of the other things that he does. Uh, he's a super, super nice guy, and uh, he's never done anything but treat me with respect and be nice to me and welcome me into the pool world, uh, as he did with you. Yeah, you know? I I talk to Jerry probably on average eight to ten times a week. Um, you know, I was going through a little family problem a year or so ago that involved my kids in Georgia. And I called him up one day and said, you know, look, this is what's going down. And I don't, you know, there's nothing I can do about it here, here being Arizona. And, you know, without even a second thought, he said, give me the address, tell me where I need to go and what I need to do. You know, the man would would give you the shirt off his back and not for a second ask what could be done for him. Um, you know, he's one of the few people in this sport that if, you know, Trudeau came back and said, I'm going to do the IPT tour, the money's going to be 10 times as good, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to buy AZ Billiards, and Mike Howerton, you're completely done. Jerry is one of the few people that I would stay in communication with as much as I am now. He's one of my best friends in the world. And, you know, pool or no pool, that's, that's just who he is. And I'm, I'm, I feel honored just to have, have him as a friend in my life. 
That's that that's that's really nice, Mike. And you know, again, people people we don't always see the other side of people in you know in pool. And then, you know, some of the players, you know, some of the players as well that are, have done some things. I, I, Earl has his lovers and his haters. I've seen Earl do some things away from the pool table when nobody's watching that have been so nice and generous to for sick children and things like that. I'm not really, I don't really want to go into it. But there's another side of Earl that you don't see the, the crazy, you know, I'm going off, throwing his cue, yelling at people. There's another side of him, aside from that, that I think yeah, a, lot of, a lot of us have. Uh, the pool game, again, can, can make you a little bit jaded from time to time. And, and you don't realize, you know, what some people actually do do. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've had my my moments where I was frustrated with Earl, and I've had words with him. But Earl is the perfect example of the way I view it: is the billiards world is a family. You know, everybody in the billiards world is a member of this family, and every family has that uncle who's just a little bit, you know, he maybe he's a little bit stronger in his opinions than other people, but he's still a member of your family. Right, you know, yeah, he he can be a little. It's crazy, Uncle Earl, you know that, but that's who he is. Right, and and you know, to be honest, all of the stuff that he says and everything that he says that you could classify as crazy, he says it because he honestly believes it would make the game better. I'm not saying I agree with him. I don't think. Heated slate is going to make the game better, and, and I don't agree with him on a number of things. But he doesn't say them just because they're crazy ideas. He says them because he honestly believes what he's saying. Right. Yeah, and 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 you'd be you'd be surprised, or people may be surprised, how many times that people have came to me and said, "Earl comes up with some stuff, but you know what? It's it's not a bad idea." You know. No. no. He's, he's, and, and, you know, again, you know, like I mentioned earlier, there is there are very few people that you can enjoy watching them play as much as Earl. I mean, there are guys out there right now who are, you know, in the last couple of three years have been at the absolute top of their game, and I have not at all watching them play. They're great guys. I want them to win tournaments, but they put me to sleep. Earl just reminds you of how easy this game is. You know, he doesn't do, he usually doesn't do anything fancy. He doesn't have to study a shot. He just gets down and does it. And you, you just watch him and you think, man, this game is so beautiful. Watching somebody do that and not having to sit and, and stare and do I need to be here? Or do I need to be here? He just gets there. Right. And, and talking about great players, you know, obviously we've got this. It seems like there's a wave um, of well, it's a generation, isn't it? It's just a generation that changes. Um, when you go back to you know uh, Wimpy and Beanie and um, Lassiter and those guys, and then you come up, and then you've got 
uh, Archer, Strickland, and then you, you come up and now, you know, we've got people like Shane and Darren Appleton. Uh, so the game is now, it's going to continue to revolve. It's not, you know, people are going to die. It's not necessarily going to die. And, and now you've got people, I, I mean, obviously I'm not, Shane is Shane. We all, we all know his uh, abilities. But you know who's, who just surprised me is Darren Appleton with the straight pool. When the hell did English people start winning straight pool? I, now, I know it's not a world championship, what it's called, a world tournament. <laughs> I don't want you to yeah, I know, yeah, no, I don't want you to yell at me about it. But it's, they call it a world tournament. Yeah. But, and it's not a world championship, but having, having said that, still the best one, uh, straight pool players in the world at that. Absolutely. It's, and you've got it's the it's, best straight pool events of the year. And for him to, with Dawson, Shane, Earl was a great straight pool player. Um, which, I don't know, I never really saw him as a straight pool player, but he, he just is. But Darren, going from his background and, and being able to adapt to straight pool to that extent, that, that that's amazing. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's not just Darren. I mean, there's Toasty, there's Mika. I mean, if you wanted, there was a there was a post on Reddit the other day where they were asking who's the best player in each discipline. So I got to thinking about who are the top five straight pool players in the world, and you know, they're all European players. You know, it, for some reason, I mean, maybe it's the snooker background and you know, breaking balls out and, and, you know, the similarities between the two games. But or maybe it's just the fact that, you know, they're they're able to adapt their game better to a game where every single shot matters. I mean, I understand every shot matters in nine ball, sure. But, you know, these are guys who are running 150 balls. I couldn't run 25 balls if my life depended on it, you know, because I just I can't. I can't focus on just, 25 balls in a row. I mean, these guys are focusing on 100 balls in a row, 150, 200. I'm, look at Stalev. I mean, I, I couldn't believe that Stalev did so well in that tournament. Well, when you say, you know, you you can't run on, it's not because you don't have the focus. It's just you can't play the freaking game, Mike. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's that too. He's <laughs> not going to try to put it on focus. I'm just doing my thing now because you kind of had to knock at me earlier. That's all right. <laughs> you're right. I, I, now I think about it. The the Europeans have done well, and the straight pool, to me, not knowing really the history of it, but half fast knowledge, um, is a is an American game. Well, perfect example. Um, think back to when. Think back to. 12 years ago or so when Ralph and Allison won the honest to God 14 one championships at the time I'm, I was maintaining Allison's website for her. So I knew that players had trained quote unquote trained for weeks prior to that event. It took place in New York. I remember, and you know, players had talked about how, 
for a couple of weeks prior, they were just playing straight pool, and they were they were getting straight pool in their brain, and and you know, the the right mindset and that sort of thing. So I'm talking to Allison, and she gets home, and she's won the tournament, and I said. You know, other players have said that they trained for weeks. How long did you train before you went off to that tournament? And she says, oh, I got the balls out for about 15, 20 minutes before I got on the plane and I knocked them around on the table. But she's a European snooker player, and I think snooker just logically flows into straight pool. Yeah, yeah, that that could be. And then there's, there's also there's people... I, don't, I keep bringing up Earl, I don't know what. Uh, people like Earl who just have a natural aptitude for Q-sports. Oh, sure. And, he, and it doesn't really matter what the game is. You tell them the rules and the concept, and they're, okay, I can make that happen. Well, and, and that's... And they can do it. That's where players like Earl and Shane can change a sport. You know, you talk about the Filipinos and how they changed the way players shot safeties because the Filipinos brought intelligent kicking into the game and that sort of thing. You know, when you look at at Shane playing one pocket, you and I know Freezer pretty well. Freezer could probably outmove Shane eight times out of ten. But if you leave Shane a shot, it's over. You know, right? a one-pocket player, you leave them a 20% shot, they're going to play safe to look for a 30% shot. Or they're going to play safe to look for a better opportunity ten balls down the road. You leave Shane a 20% shot, you're racking the balls because it's over. You know, that's yeah. the way it is. You know, that's the way they changed straight pool 12 years ago. They weren't they weren't bumping the rack to open up three or four balls. They were just running out from everywhere. Well, I think there's a way that they see things as well. They see things happening. And and it's, I, I, I um, again, I'll try and make it quick. I was in Corpus Christi, and I was with Buddy Hole. And we were done doing whatever we were doing, and the guys asked me to play some one pocket. Now, I thought one pocket was boring. I, I think it's a, I thought it was the stupidest, most boring game you could ever play. And I, I remember saying that. Remember, you remember this. Uh, up there at Colby's, uh, when I did Efren and Scott Frost. Yeah. The, the, the challenge match there. Now, I thought 10 people were going to show up. I didn't realize there was that much enthusiasm for it because I just thought it was boring. So me called this Christie and you guys joined a play. I said, you know what, I've never really played before. I don't know it. I'll play with you. And he said, well, let's play for 20. I said, I just told you I can't play. I've never played before. But I'll play with you for 20. But if, if I'm making an obvious mistake where I'm going to foul or I'm doing something, you know, please, you know, let me know. This guy's been playing for 20 years, and I beat him. <laughs> and and the, but the first time I got up to the he broke and that was my shot and and I look and I go oh my god that's why this is such a a popular thing among in, you know pool players that like to think 
because I just threw the table and I didn't know what the hell to do. I had to really think and I enjoyed it. So I beat the guy out 40 bucks and he don't want to play no more. I said, that's fine. But now, in my stupid mind, the guy who thinks that the stripper actually likes him in a strip club, <laughs> <laughs> in my stupid mind, I feel I- I've got a natural aptitude for straight pool. And I've been missing that all along. So I said, hey, buddy, you want to play some straight pool? <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he said, sure, what are we playing for? I said, no, just a friendly game. I said, no, I don't play. I can't be bothered. I'm not going to play a friendly game. I'll play for, what do you just take off that guy? I'll play, I'll play for the 40. I tell you what, I, I had two shots. And yeah. he knew every shot I was going to make before I made it. And he knew how to maneuver me right back into the, the spot where he was just going to run out. Oh, yeah. I mean, those players, they know. I do love the idea of of setting traps for people. I think that's a fun part of one pocket. You know, leave a shot and, and you just dare the guy. Please shoot that ball. Yeah, well, I, did, I didn't know I didn't know there was anything about traps and straight pull when I was <laughs> when I was playing against Buddy Hall. Which you know, hey, I played. I, I got to play Buddy Hall one pocket. There's nothing, no shame in losing that. I don't think. So, no, no, I, I mean. It was just another donation to the Buddy Hall One Pocket Fund. <laughs> I know. Um, hold on for one second for me, Mike. Yeah, no problem. Welcome back to American Billion Radio. We had to come to kind of an abrupt uh, ending to the first part of the show, which isn't going to last very much longer, because this has been, a, a, in my opinion, a great interview. <laughs> I've enjoyed myself. We ran out of that time. So hopefully we're going to be able to match this all up, the, where we left off and where we are now. And... Uh, give uh, Mike a chance to go and do whatever Mike does, uh, play pool badly for the That's rest it. of the night. So, um, where is... I, I know you mentioned something earlier about uh, the history of pool being involved in the future of AZ Billiards? Yeah, more of the history of pool. I mean, AZ Billiards have been online for 15 years, and I believe that for the last 15 years, there really isn't any place that you can go other than AZ Billiards to see, you know, who won the U.S. Open 14 years ago. Well, within about 30 seconds, I can look that up for you and find it, you know. Um, who was the top money winner 10 years ago? Well, that's easy to figure out, too. But, you know, our our records go back as far as me first putting up the site. Um, we have content that we're bringing online any day now that will take that back another 15 to 20 years. Um, it's not, it's not as organized as, you know, the information on AZ Billiards. I mean, it's not like we're importing all this data, but we, we still have 
you know, there will be ways for users to 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 find out information about stuff that was going on 20, 25 years ago. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I realize I'm kind of talking around in circles, but, it, well, I mean, pretty much everybody, you know, everybody who's involved knows what it is. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier the amount of work that Conrad Berkman had done with the National Billiard News. And the next thing that we will have on the site is 90 to 95% of every National Billiard News that has ever been published, we have scanned and digitized, and they will be available to view them online. And this is stuff like... Um, Jean Belukas when she was 12. Um, you know, this this young player, Alan Hopkins, could have a future in the game. Um, it's some amazing stuff. You know, it, it, it goes back to... And, and what's funny is you read articles in the National Billiard News from 25 years ago, and you could easily be describing the billiards world today. You know, it, it, it goes in cycles, and, and it will give the fans, and I mean, let's face it, the AZ Billiards fans are not, the, the AZ Billiards fans put the, the word fan in fanatical. I mean, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I would like to find a way to do with AZ Billiards is how to get it in front of your average fan, because AZ Billiards fans are not average pool fans. They're diehard I, 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 about everybody. I, I absolutely agree with you, and it's it, you know I've I've I, I, yourself has I, I you know I've been to hundreds of pool rooms all across America, and people would say to me things like, "Oh, if we did a challenge match, that kind of thing," the people want to ask questions, and there's no problem with that. But we're talking about APA, BCA, you know, TAP, Pool League uh, players to say, oh, you know, is there a way, there's not that much pool on TV, is there a way to watch other players? Uh, and I said, well, you know, there's the actual report. Oh, the actual report? Oh, yeah. 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 And, and you can find, and, and they didn't know anything about it. Nothing about it. And then, look, anything you want to know about pool and billiards, you go to azbillions.com. And the, the thing is, you can try and ask your friends at the pool room, and you can, you know, uh, on a ruling or a historical question or anything else regarding pool, and, you know, you, you might be able to find somebody who can give you an answer. But I've always told people, and I know there's people who listen to this show who... Don't go on AZ Billiards. I know we've got a bunch of AZ people that listen. I think we're at 2,500 to 3,000 listeners to each individual program at this point. Obviously, it's nothing close to AZ Billiards, but the, there is a, a, a demographic that listens, and some of them AZ is, and some of them are not. And that's all, all over the world as well. And yeah. I, I tell people... If you want to know something, go on AZ Billiards because I can guarantee you this. I can make a bet with you if you like. I can find out within the hour 
who won X tournament, X year, and how much the prize money was. Yeah. And who the, and who they were playing. By going onto the forums and saying who won this when what year. I still did a tournament with it. I think with Nick Varner in a world championship, uh, for for a Q or something, I can't remember what it was. And uh but you can anything you want to know you can find there. And it's not an infomercial for Izzy Billiards. I mean, it, but it's a fact. You can, you can't get around it. And no, you've and done it, a, a fantastic job of bringing that to the pool community. And just like the action report, which is, I, I guess, no longer, I, I, I'm not quite sure on the status of it, but like talking to these um League players who want to watch Pro Pool. They didn't know Tar existed. They don't know AZ Billions exists. And there's a yeah. multitude of people out there that just need to be told about it. You know? Well, I've, I've always believed that a, a real true fan of the game, if they come to the site once, and I'm not talking about the forums and all the politics and, and all that stuff going on there. I mean, that's a whole other story. But... A, a true fan of the game, I think if they come to AZ Billiards, the site, and they look at some of the stuff there and, and they beginning they begin to see the amount of information that is available there, they will become regular users. I believe that. That's you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, let's face it, I'm a fanatic about the game. You know, I I care who won the US Open ten years ago. I mean I care who wins the US Open this year. I I I want the game to succeed. I want it to get better. And you know, I was at a I was at a world championship a few years ago, and I was being interviewed. And they said, "What do you want to see happen here at the tournaments?" And I said, "Well, what I want to see happen can't happen because I'd like to see 128 different guys win this tournament because I think they all deserve it." You know, that's that's where I'm at in the game. I'm one of those fanatics. If I didn't run the site. I would be a regular visitor to the site. Right. That, and, uh, it's, you, you, you do, obviously you're doing a bad job than anybody else and in passing that information off. And I just, I, I, and you already got, I mean, you just, you stated the numbers earlier. You, you've already, you've got so many people who visit the site on a regular basis anyhow. Um, I'm not sure how many more there are out there, but there are. And oh, like yeah. you said, if you visit the site once, but people, they, a lot of times, and I, I'm, I say league players, and it sounds like I'm being condescending to league players. I'm not. They, they play twice a week, and then, and then in league format, and then they play another one or two times a week with their buddies, and then maybe they got a pool room at their, you know, pool table at their home, and they play. And they have an interest, but they have no conduit that leads them to the information. Now, if you don't know of AZ Billiards, and you're a league player, but you love pool, you're relying on the magazines that, that come out, and you only get a limited amount of information. So I believe that there's a lot of people out there who play the leagues, who want to know who the pros are, want to know what they're doing, Want to know what's going on just in general pool, and 
I, I've been surprised at how many people didn't know who Ainsley Billies were. And there's got to be some way that um, we can start letting people know. Here's where you get your information, because if you don't go, it's, it's like a, it's a circle. If you don't go Ainsley Billies, you don't know the information. Right. If you don't know the information, you don't go Ainsley Billies. You know, I don't know if that made any sense at all. <laughs> well, if you don't know it's there, of... if you don't know it's there, you know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. I, I get a kick out of of being. I, I mean, I, look, I don't, I don't go to league with a big shirt that says I run AZ Billiards because that's just not who I am, but. I get a kick out of being at league and overhearing people two or three tables over saying, yeah, do you read that thing on AZ? I, mean, <laughs> I refer to it as AZB. Other people refer to it as AZ. You know, yeah, I saw this cue on AZ and I really liked it. And, you know, that makes me think, hey, you know what? People do use the site. You know, there, there is a point to it. They they enjoy the site being there. There's a reason to keep at it. And, and you know, when when you and I have those moments where we think, Oh my God, the politics are so bad. I don't ever want to do this again. You know, it's it's hearing stuff like that that makes you say, "Yeah, I want to do it again." I, I know I'm not even close to being on the same scale as you are with the the pool and billiards world, but I know exactly what you're talking about, but just in a much smaller way. Um, when we've done our tours, you know, where every tour that we've done with the players, they, we have a tour T-shirt. And I was at the Rev, I don't know, it's now been a year or so ago, and in Vegas for one of the BCAL, one of, one of the national tournaments. And I'm walking with my girl Jessica, who, by the way, knew nothing about pool before I met her. And the guy and his wife in front of us are wearing our tour t-shirts, Legends and Champions tour yeah. t-shirts. I went, that's awesome. It was the coolest <laughs> thing that ever happened. Somebody's here who, look, that, I did that. I did that. And you make you feel good about yourself a little bit. You know, there's enough reasons to not feel good about yourself in this business sometimes that, you know, that little bit of recognition no matter how small it is, makes you feel a little bit good. And I, you know, I don't, I don't care who you are. You, you know, we're all a little bit narcissistic from time to time. Oh sure. Um. So, anything else going on with AZ Billions that we should know about? Anything that you're going to be doing different? I, I, I love hearing the history, by the way. Yeah, it's you know, I, I think. I think some of that stuff is really going to be fun. I mean, Jay Helfert wrote a column, you know, years and years ago. It came out every month. And, you know, there was some great stuff in there. There's great articles. I mean, Conrad, I mean, you want to talk about somebody who did a service to the game of pool. You're talking about Conrad Berkman. I mean, it's it's just amazing. I mean, as we were scanning these, I would stop and, and look at articles. And, I mean, I'd get caught up reading stuff. I'd you know, I don't know if you know Babe Thompson here in town, but there was an article in there from him winning a tournament like 25 years ago. And Babe, did, did he, didn't he die? No, no, I don't think so. God, I hope not. Oh, you know, I'm thinking of the sniffer. Um, oh, 
you should always please knows. Um old guy who used to wear like a Gilligan hat. Oh yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. You don't talk. Yeah, no, no, that's not that's not Babe. Um actually uh Babe's son is is quite a player now. Babe Thompson, I tell you what, I watched him playing. Here we go. I, I, I know I told you I was going to keep this short and sweet for the end of it. It's unbelievable. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine the talent he must have had because the last time I saw him play, he said, this is, oh, this is my last one, Mark. I'm not going to play anymore. And he was just, you know, a, a weekly tournament. And he was one of those, you know, old-fashioned gent that wore the uh, bib. Yeah, the apron uh, and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah, the apron, and he was shaking so bad. I'm like, there's no way he's going to even hit the freaking cue ball. Yeah. Man, yeah. He, he, but somehow he'd have all these shakes about him, then when it came time to, for, to execute the shot, bam, beautiful. If, if you didn't learn enough that, hey, buddy, you want to play some one pocket is a bad thing to say, Hey babe, you want to play some one pocket, or hey babe, you want to play some straight pool? That's a money losing proposition too. Yeah, sweetheart of a guy, um, just a real gentleman. And yeah. I, I, for some reason, I, I I'm sorry, I, I've killed somebody else off too quick. I think I did that before somewhere. But um, well, Mike, I, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you giving us the information that you've given us. And um, I'm sorry it's ran over a little bit longer than we wanted it to, but this has been a fun conversation. I always enjoy talking to you. And uh, I, I almost feel like this wasn't really an interview. It was almost like you we were just chatting on the phone. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of it as an interview. It was, it was a lot of fun. Well, thanks for everything you do. And, uh, you know, maybe now I've got a radio show, maybe I'll get in on the selection committee for the Hall of Fame, and maybe I'll be the first guy to put you up for the military service. <laughs> well, then we've got two votes. <laughs> All right, buddy. I, appre- I really appreciate your time, and I know you've got something else that you need to be working on right now. So um, hopefully we can talk again real soon. All right, sounds good. Talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for American Billion Radio, the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by uh, Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And I've got to tell you, Mike's a good guy. If, if you don't know him and you just know the name from AZ Billions, that's, you know, he, he doesn't make yourself very conspicuous for, for the most part. But he is one of the good guys in, in the game. And uh, it's always a pleasure talking to him. And I think he gives us all a little bit of information about AZ Billions, how it started. If you're like me, you probably spent a little bit of time every day. I, I, I think I've always got an AZ Billions window open somewhere on my computer, on my laptop. And, uh, and, and I know I can find out everything I need to find out from there. So I, I appreciate Mike, and I will see you all again next week. I don't know what I'm going to do next week. Hopefully, you know, I don't get too excited and enjoy my interview so much. And um, uh, it'll be a little bit shorter. But until next week, thank you all very much for listening. And we'll see you then.
up the sheet Such a long time to waste playing pool Fourteen hours of being the fool The leather creaked as the nine ball drops Ending all hope for a comeback pop Fourteen hours of chalk up and play Nothing to show except the light of day